Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's and a special welcome to our visitors who are worshiping with us today. This is the first weekend at St. Paul's that we're using the liturgy from the new hymnal. So we have something a little bit different, a little bit special planned for today. Our plan for worship today is to walk through what our hymnal calls the service. This is a set of words and actions that we usually use at church when we gather for the main purpose of the worship service that week. Our purpose is to help everyone understand more completely what we're doing and why when we come together for worship. The word worship means to adore and praise God. And the highest praise a Christian can offer God is to proclaim what God has done for us in Christ. As we worship, we speak and sing the gospel that God forgives our sins and the sins of the world for Jesus' sake. In this way, we encourage others while others encourage us. Christians have generally followed an order of service. We catch a glimpse of that order in Jerusalem in the weeks after Pentecost. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Our order of worship follows that first-century pattern. We worship in an orderly and organized way so that everyone may hear and understand the gospel without being distracted. We repeat the most important gospel truths so that they become embedded in our minds and hearts. Variety helps us review the many facets of the gospel. We adopt and adapt ancient and widespread practices of the church to remember the gospel unity we have with all believers. We proclaim the message of Christ in language, music, art, and symbolism, which touch our hearts but do not outshine the gospel. The service begins with a hymn, which often directs our attention to the focus of worship on a particular day. Please join us in singing Christian Worship 861, Lord Jesus Christ, the Church's Head.
worship begins with the word and sign of baptism. The word of baptism is in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. These words were spoken to us as we were baptized with water. The sign is the cross which we received at our baptism. Receive the sign of the cross on the head and the heart to mark you as a redeemed by, redeemed by Christ the crucified. We come before God in worship as people who have been covered by the righteous robes of Christ and members of the family of God. What a joy and confidence we have as we worship. We say, Amen. Truly, we agree. We remember our baptism in confession as we drown our sinful nature and gain the life-renewing work of the Spirit. We confess to God and one another that we were born in sin and that we sin every day. With our brothers and sisters in faith, we plead for forgiveness for the sake of Jesus. The words we speak become so familiar that we can repeat them from memory when we wake up and when we get ready for sleep. In these words, we also proclaim to one another that we believe what we believe about sin and grace. The minister then absolves us. He forgives our sins. The absolution is one of the simplest forms of gospel proclamation in our worship. The minister forgives us not on his own, but as a called servant of Christ, whom the Spirit has called through our congregation to speak the word of God to us. We can hear these words with confidence, for Jesus said to his apostles on the evening of his resurrection, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. Again, we say, Amen. You may remain seated as we remember and relive our baptisms. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Holy God, gracious Father, I am sinful by nature and have sinned against you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved others as I should. I deserve your punishment both now and forever. But Jesus, my Savior, paid for my sins with his innocent suffering and death. Trusting in him, I pray, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Our gracious Father in heaven has been merciful to us. He sent his only Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. As we gather to hear the word and receive the sacrament, we implore God to keep all believers in his grace and protect us by his mercy.
These words, Lord, have mercy, acknowledge our ongoing and total dependence on God's mercy for all our needs, both body and soul. Both the response of prayer and the song that follows include alternate titles. Kyrie is Greek for Lord, and Gloria in Excelsis is Latin for glory in the highest. The ancient titles remind us that Christians have sung these songs for centuries in countless musical settings. These two song texts and three others, which I'll identify later, are from a set of songs called The Ordinary. The words of these five songs repeat the most important teachings of the gospel, and that's why we repeat them often in worship. Glory be to God on high comes, combines three ancient hymns. You'll recognize the first as the song the angels sang on the fields of Bethlehem. This hymn, which is worth committing to memory, proclaims Jesus Christ as the center of God's plan to save the world. Please stand. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord.
Please be seated. In the early church, hearing the word and receiving the sacrament were separated by a time for fellowship. Each service began with a greeting. The Lord be with you, the minister said, and the people responded, and also with you. We'll see this greeting again at the beginning of the communion service. Now we come to the word section of the service. We see it in large letters in the hymnal, the word. When the early Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, they were eager to hear about the words and works of Jesus. The apostles were the Savior's witnesses and had heard and seen Jesus in person. The service follows that pattern. It highlights the words and works of Jesus in a reading from one of, our, of the four Gospels. A unique feature of our order of service is what we call the proper, a set of readings, prayers, psalms, and hymns that focus on the main truth of the day's gospel. As the truth in the gospel changes from week to week and on various festivals of the year, the proper changes too. The gospel accounts and their proper are guided by the Christian calendar or church year. Over the course of centuries, Christian churches developed a plan to review the words and works of Christ every year. We divide the calendar into two parts, the time of Christ, also called the festival half, and the time of the church, also called the non-festival half. The time of Christ occurs between late November and May. It focuses on the main events of Jesus' life and so includes the seasons of Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, and Easter. It ends with the day of Pentecost and the Sunday of the Holy Trinity. The time of the church focuses on words Jesus spoke during his ministry to guide us in our lives as Christians. The proper begins with the prayer of the day. The minister invites the congregation to bring this prayer to God. Let us pray, he says. The prayer requests the blessings that are going to be given in the readings and the sermon on this day. There are three readings in the service. The first reading is usually from the Old Testament and helps us to see the words and works of Jesus in the gospel for the day were promised and applied even before he came in, into the earth. Worshippers became involved in the reading by responding to the minister's concluding sentence, the word of the Lord. The worshippers say with joy, thanks be to God. The book of Psalms was the hymnal of the Old Testament and is filled with praises and prayers of God's great love. The psalm of the day matches the theme of the day's gospel and enables worshipers to proclaim the word of God in music and to take their turn to declare the wonders God has done. The second reading is from one of the New Testament letters, the epistles. This reading also complements the theme of the day's gospel. Again, the worshipers respond with thanks after hearing the word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, keep your family continually in the true faith so that those who rely only on the hope of your heavenly grace may be protected by your mighty power. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
In our first lesson from Genesis chapter 45, we hear how Joseph forgave his brothers in spite of their wickedness and evil actions toward him. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds, and all you have. I will provide for you there, because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and serves as the basis for our sermon. It speaks of communion, where brothers and sisters, even those who have acted wickedly and evil toward each other, come together to be forgiven by the Lord and to express unity with one another. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. The word of the Lord. The reading of the gospel is the highlight of the word section of the service. The truth announced in the day's gospel has guided the prayer of the day, the two readings and the psalm. Now it will set the tone for the hymn of the day and the sermon. More importantly, in these words, the holy evangelist Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John proclaim to us what Jesus said and what Jesus did to save us from our sin, Satan, death, and hell. We honor Jesus by standing. In the gospel acclamation, we offer our alleluias. We sing, praise the Lord. The acclamation includes a sentence which points to the theme of the day's gospel. Please stand to acclaim the gospel.
our gospel for today from Luke chapter 6, Jesus teaches us how children of the Most High act even toward their enemies. We are merciful toward them, just as our Heavenly Father is toward all. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, Lord Christ. Martin Luther is considered by many to be the father of congregational song, and so hymns have always been an important part of the Lutheran worship. The hymn of the day is chosen to match the theme of the gospel or the sermon and was selected by the best hymns of our hymnal. This hymn is worth getting to know well.
The sermon will be shorter today, but that doesn't mean it's not important. The sermon is one of the great legacies of the Lutheran Reformation. The reformers restored the value and importance of preaching, and we feel the same. After careful study and thorough preparation, the servant of the Lord explains and applies one of the three readings appointed for the day. He proclaims the law and the gospel in light of Jesus' words and works in focus on the day. He exposes sin, announces forgiveness, and encourages our life's response. He shares with us the words of God that he himself believes. We thank God for preaching that speaks for God and touches our minds and hearts. The sermon is the last part of the proper for the day. In prayers, psalms, hymns, readings, and the spoken word, we have devoted ourselves to the words and works of Jesus recorded in the day's gospel. At this point, we stand to speak the creed, and we confess that we believe what we have heard in the word about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The creed is the third song text of the historic ordinary. You see the Latin word, credo, which means I believe. Like the Kyrie and Gloria, the credo is sung for centuries. Today, our custom is to speak it. Please stand as we speak the creed. Grace and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. God's word we consider in the sermon today is the second lesson from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, and many people are looking forward to going out to eat a special dinner with their significant other. Last year in Ohio, at a Red Lobster, a woman walked into the restaurant only to find her husband together with another woman on a date with her. Her husband of 13 years, with whom she had three children together, was now there at a special meal with someone else. It'd be an understatement to say that she was upset. There were heated words. There were things thrown. The police had to be called. Yet if you think that that situation sounds uncomfortable, try cheating on the Lord. The Lord, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, reminded the Corinthian Christians just what happened to cheaters. When the Israelites at Mount Sinai were worshiping the golden calf, thousands of them died that day for their idolatry. Later on, as they were traveling on the way to the promised land of Canaan, the Israelites Many of them participated in Baal worship with the Moabites, along with all the immoralities that went with it, and 23,000 of them were struck dead. As they wandered on their way to the Promised Land, the Israelites grumbled against the Lord and tested him, and they were bitten by snakes and died. 
Now, apparently, the Corinthian Christians had forgotten that history and were flirting with idol feasts in their city. When people cheat on the Lord, he is a jealous God. He demands complete devotion. He's not just a little disappointed or kind of upset. He is up and ready to split from you for all eternity and shut you out of his presence forever. Christians today still fall into idolatry, loving the Lord less and other people and things more. Christians get swept off of their feet with the same immoral and scandalous and seductive entertainment that the world around them does. Christians today still grumble about not having enough stuff and not having as much money as those around them who seem like they're so much better off. Christians today still stand God up as they leave their Bibles and Bible apps closed, prayers forgotten, and come up with all kinds of other important things, things that are more important than visiting with God in his house and dining with the Lord at his table. Today, you and I have all been exposed as unfaithful cheaters. Yet there in the city of Corinth, among a town that was full of idol worship, and even within the midst of Christians who had been unfaithful to him, the Lord prepared a table and set a meal. This was the same meal that he had prepared for his disciples who abandoned him in his darkest hour. There the Lord Jesus blessed the bread and wine and gave thanks. He gave the bread to them, broke it, and gave it to them saying, take it, take and eat. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. That bread, which we still break, is broken into pieces to be distributed to us. That bread that we take and eat is a participation, a sharing in, a communion with Jesus' body. Jesus' true body that was given for us at the cross is there in, with, and under the bread. And after supper, Jesus took the cup, the cup with wine, and said, Take and drink. This is the, my blood of the New Testament, the new covenant, which is for you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The wine in that cup, which we still bless and take and drink, is a participation with a sharing in, a communion with Jesus' true blood. The blood that Jesus shed for us at the cross is really there in, with, and under that wine. In this sacrament, the Lord Jesus himself gives us his body and blood with the bread and wine, a true participation. It's truly there for our forgiveness. Forgiveness for all of our unfaithfulness, all of our cheating, all of our loving other things more, and the Lord Jesus less, 
forgiven. At this table, the Lord Jesus joins the heavenly with the earthly, his body and blood together with the bread and wine. In this meal, the Lord Jesus joins the sinner with the Savior. He, Jesus Christ, the crucified one, joins himself to us. Here, in this meal, the Lord joins us who are many different people. He says we are one body, united in him. In this sacrament, Jesus takes people who have been unfaithful to the Lord and deserve to be separated from him forever and brings us together with the Lord, reconciled once again. I don't know what your meal plans are for Valentine's Day tomorrow, but I do know this. The one who loves you more than his own life invites you to this meal, not just once in February, but dozens of times each year. Here, he fills the hungry with good things. Here in this meal, he restores wandering children. Here in this meal, he refreshes weary souls and gives strength to the wayward to live for him. So let's come together. Come together often. Together with each other and with the Lord. Together for this holy meal. Let's come together around the one true and living Lord who has redeemed, restored, and forgiven us. Amen. Please stand. We confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated. As we noted earlier, the first Christians paused after hearing the word, often to share a meal. 
Those with more wealth may have provided food for those with less, and believers offered prayers for one another. The prayer of the church enables believers to practice their Christian fellowship by praying for all sorts of people and all kinds of activities. We add the names of fellow believers who are enduring trouble or enjoying special times in their lives. Since the prayer may include a number of intercessions, worshipers are, are seated. The Lord encourages us to manage his monetary gifts wisely, and he especially calls on us to be generous in our support of gospel ministry. We plan our gifts at home and may even give online. Bringing the offering forward in worship helps us to remember that we give our offerings to the Lord and for the spread of his good news in our own congregation and around the world. And let us pray. Gracious Father, in Christ Jesus and through faith in him, we approach you with freedom and confidence. Mercifully hear our prayer. As you cause your light to shine that first epiphany, shine in the darkness of our hearts. Drive far from us all our fears and doubts. Give us a new confidence each day to live as children of the light. Bless the work of your church here and throughout the world. By your Holy Spirit, make known far and wide the mysteries of Christ Jesus. Give strength to all workers in your gospel ministry, and bless the word they proclaim. Bring those living in darkness into the light of life. And Holy Spirit, we praise you for leading Pastor Miller and Mr. Dice to return other calls earlier this month and to continue serving at St. Paul's. Please bless their ongoing ministry among us, that we may grow in faith and that more may hear of Jesus' saving name. Please be with the ministries in Minneapolis, Minnesota and Peridot, Arizona, as those places seek to fill their vacant positions. Provide more workers for your harvest, for the fields truly are ripe. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the healthy birth of Walker Nash Moyer. Grant him rebirth and renewal through baptism. Please be with his parents, Travis and Lauren, and his brothers, Porter and Brooks, keeping them all close to Christ. Give guidance and wisdom and strength to our government officials. Direct their rule for our good as it is pleasing to you. Give us hearts and lips that honor and respect those that you have placed in authority over us. These and all our needs are known to you, gracious Father. Mercifully hear our prayer. Guide us by the light of your word until that day comes when you bring us home to yourself to join your people from every nation, tribe, people, and language, redeemed by the blood of Jesus. In his holy name we pray. Amen. The second main part of the service begins with the same greeting that began the word section. The Lord be with you, the minister says, and the worshipers return his greeting and also with you. The words that follow are found in Christian orders of service already in the third century. As they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, believers carefully imitated the actions of the first holy meal as the apostles remembered them. With few exceptions, we do the same. As we lift our hearts to the Lord, the minister invites us to give thanks as Jesus did. The fourth canticle of the historic ordinary introduces the prayer of thanksgiving. Holy, 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 entitled Sanctus in Latin, the words lead us into the throne room of God as Isaiah saw it with 
wonder and awe. From there we go to Palm Sunday and praise Jesus who comes to us in the sacrament. We sing Hosanna, a Hebrew word that means save us, Lord. For most of us, the prayer of thanksgiving is a new feature in the service. Martin Luther eliminated the medieval form of this prayer since it was filled with false teaching. But Lutherans have, have crafted new prayers that are faithful to the scriptures. The prayer of thanksgiving concludes with the Lord's Prayer. You may remain seated as we begin the sacrament. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lived among us as a human being and revealed his glory as your only Son, full of grace and truth. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. We give thanks to you, O God, through your dear Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent to be our Savior, our Redeemer, and the messenger of your grace. Through him you made all things. In him you are well pleased. He is the incarnate Word, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. To fulfill your promises, he stretched out his hands on the cross and released from eternal death all who believe in you. As we remember Jesus' death and resurrection, we thank you that you have gathered us together to receive your Son's body and blood. Send us your Spirit, unite us as one, and strengthen our faith so that we may praise you in your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we glorify and honor you, O God our Father, with the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
At this point, we hear the actions Jesus took and the words he spoke on the night he first offered the holy meal. The words of the institution, these words of consecration, together with the distribution of the elements and their reception by the communicants, are the critical elements of the sacrament. We believe that we receive the true body and blood of Christ under the bread and wine when the the elements are consecrated, distributed, and received. With the peace of the Lord on our minds and in our hearts, we join in the last canticle of the ordinary, O Christ, Lamb of God, Agnus Dei, Lamb of God in Latin. We are not surprised that believers have sung these words for centuries. Have mercy on us and grant us your peace. We approach the altar full of confident joy. As the minister communes us, he identifies the body and the blood we are receiving for the forgiveness of sins. He bids us to go in peace, believing in the blessing we have received from Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. At the table of the Lord we are fed. We remember now the words that Christ has spoken. This is my body, he said. the table of the Lord in 
Thank you.